boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Binge boys, we're here, and we're going to talk about streaming programs. Hi, I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me via Zoom, the bearded one, Lon Harris. I'm going to give our audience a little insight right now. We're both holding dogs. Yes, we this, both have dogs on our laps. So I if can't you hear, believe what a lo- what a loss to not be doing a video episode on the time we're both holding dogs in our lap. I know this is the most adorable binge boys ever, yeah. and uh, if you hear panting, it's not me getting like you know frothing at the mouth over Lon's uh, exciting streaming news. It is uh, my dog Millie. And Lon, uh, introduce yeah. everybody to your dog. So, well, they know Taco's here. Taco's yeah, here Taco's both. here. And he's wearing his new vest. He got this vest recently. This was, I believe, a, a holiday gift from his grandma. Oh, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Millie is nude. Oh, no. Yeah, but it's just, you know, like we did the clap to sync up our audio streams before doing the podcast, and Taco tends to believe that that is me calling for him because it's time to get together and hang out. So Come here, boy. Want a cookie? He can't hear you, right? Okay. Otherwise, yeah. we'd be getting terrible feedback, Hal. That's the nature of how podcasting works. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm talking, obviously, you're wearing headphones right now. <laughs> I mean, you could see that I'm in headphones, Hal. Yes. Lon, great to see you. Lon, before we uh, jump into the streaming news, give us your Super Bowl prediction. Oh, I, what? We don't, <laughs> wait. Honestly, this is the first time hearing about this. Do we know the two teams that are playing? Is that decided? We do. Um, I thought I know is... we knew the AFC. I know the AFC championship game was on Sunday, as well as the NFC. I did not realize the NFC. So who are? What are the two teams? Who's who's playing? We have the upstart Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by new quarterback the Goat Tom Brady, going up against the young superstar quarterback of the league. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who will be trying to repeat as Super wow. Bowl champions. I could not have less emotional investment in this. I have been, I've never been to Tampa Bay. I have been to Kansas City. So I guess on that level, of just the level of a city I have actually myself personally visited versus a city I have never been to. And and let's be honest, folks, yeah, we'll never go to. Would you'll never go to Tampa? Bay. Not only will I'm going to go even stronger. Would never go to. Oh, I mean, okay, shots fired. What do you give have me against? one reason, Hal? Well, I why I would ever need to set why foot, you would why I would ever need to set foot in Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah, or that's Tampa, gr- Tampa or Tampa Bay. I reject the city and know. the bay. I don't even know the difference, but I mean, I, I don't need, I actually, I don't either. Like if you hadn't said Tampa, if you had just said Tampa Buccaneers, I would have totally taken that at Facebook. I would have accepted it. Yeah. I, I mean, I would go to either go to a Tampa Bay Rays game or a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, game as a sports enthusiast. But yeah, I can't think of a blessed reason why you'd ever go there. No. Lon, when you were going to Kansas I'll go one City, the did two. you sing Tallahassee, that? you can also get fucked. I'm never going to you. I do like. I do like that Tallahassee will shorten it as Tally, which is such a, like, American weird. You know, I'm from Tally. Like, okay. Okay, Tallahassee. I haven't heard that. But, yeah, Lon, you are alienating all of our Florida listeners. Our right Florida now. panhandle listeners. It's just like, yeah, come on. The Florida. You're going to live in a panhandle. At least the Texas panhandle. Please. L- listen, F- Florida man and Florida woman, I am here for you. Okay. Hashtag Team Hal on this one, I guess. If you're from Northern Florida, I mean, it, it doesn't even sound good coming out Northern Florida, Southern mm. Florida. Now you've now now we're now we're cooking with gas. Now you've got oh some yeah, na- yeah now you're, Cuban sandwiches, a little Big Willie style, a little Big Willie style. Yeah, Key West. Now we're talking. Yeah, a little Michael Mann's Miami Vice, and like Central Florida. It's like you got you got Disney World. You know, it's not it's not a total loss. You you're a little bit better at the Florida geography than I am. So you're I didn't even know Tampa Bay is is northern Florida. I mean, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong on this, but yes, I believe Tampa and Tallahassee are near the northern part of the state, 
Orlando, Daytona Beach, that would be your central Florida. And then, yeah, Miami would be South Florida. Would you uh, Would you go to Daytona Beach for a little spring break? I, uh, I've spent, uh, my uncle lives in Daytona Beach, so I've spent a lot of time in, in that area. I know, da- I know the Daytona, Ormond Beach area pretty well, actually. All right, and that has been Lon's tour of Florida. Now I'm going to look up where Tampa is. If it's not in northern Florida, we have to redo this entire podcast. Yes, we, we will. We will cut start from the beginning. <laughs> Tallahassee. Uh, no, it's yeah, not. Tampa's the central part of the state. It's just the other side from where I've been in, in Daytona. So I apologize. So it's not only the Panhandle. It's also Eastern Florida or Western Florida. Western Florida should also get fucked. It's North and West Florida. Juan, you know, be careful. You 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 might be. East and south, you could stay. No, you might be bringing a crocodile attack onto yourself. Yeah, I don't know. Just don't, Someone, just don't go where there are crocodiles. Seems pretty straightforward. Okay, Florida, that's a good idea. By which um, I mean Florida. Yeah, I, I'm terribly distracted. My wife is um, just singing the dog's, one of the dog's name. We have three dogs. We get it. You have a wife. We, oh, look at the married man. I know. I, lo- I love to, I, I love to backhandedly bring it up. <laughs> Got my ring. Oh boy. Jeez. Every week with this. I know. Okay. Maybe I'll ask Adam to uh, cut that out or maybe we just. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, cut out the the part where I pause and I'm like, oh my, my wife is like. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant cut out mentioning it because I I was giving you a hard no, time. No. It's like that, Hal is fine. Listen, listen. I don't Lon, brood when this podcast is over about the fact that you have a wife. I enjoy I, I enjoy you give gently ribbing me about me quote unquote bragging about having a, a wife. I, listen, I'm not saying that you are a wife guy. I'm just saying it's a thing to be aware of. It's it's out there. You don't want that to happen. You know, where, it's, it's like, like a, what, oh, so that's a thing where a guy's like, oh, so the, the the wife was cooking up a meal the other day. Oh, well, the wife and I like that yeah, kind of deal. Right. That's that. basically like a wife guy is like always it's a, a lot of it is coming back to like. Maybe I should start our reviews, like uh, our, our discussions, like so. The wife and I sat down to watch. It's, it's uh, less just mentioning the wife, and it's more like devotion to the wife. Like, like if, if if a big part of your personality becomes how much you love your wife, that's a wife guy. And not that, not that you're not supposed to love your wife. Of course, of course, we want that. Of course, everybody wants that for you. I love it when like a politician or an actor or someone has to do a mea culpa about something and they like emotionally have to say, "I love my wife." Yeah, it's just like it's right. It's like it's that point. It's like the, it's like when it becomes a little uncomfortable. Like, I think it started with that guy with, like, that, I love my chubby wife. You remember that guy on Instagram? Uh, no. <laughs> what what uh, was that? Oh, it's, it's from years ago already. But there was a guy that did an Instagram post where it was, like, his wife, and she's a little, listen, as the Jews would say, a little, a little zoftic. And, uh, uh, and, and he did, he did a post, but it was, and it was very, and it was very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no, it was, I love this woman and her curvy body. Oh yes, yes. No, I do. I do remember it. I think that might have. To me, that was like the first time I became aware of the wife guy craze. Yeah, because he, he he went out of his way to point out her figure, her curvy. But you could like you could just say, "I love this woman," and we'd be like, we'd make our own judgments about her shape. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, I love my skinny old dog Millie, who's sitting on my lap. What a curveball. <laughs> It's an emotionally dramatic sentence. Yes. I, like, I love Millie. And, and I love my wife. Lon. Pal. Let's move past all the wife and Florida talk and get into maybe a little bit of streaming news. Let's do it. All right. First up, it's all HBO Max related. I did not do that on purpose. They're what, what are you, a shill? What are you on the... Are, are, they're making the moves. They're the ones making the moves this are week, Are you cashing man. those HBO Time Warner checks? What's going on? I don't know. We could talk about Raya and The Last Dragon, but I can't show a trailer. This is a podcast. So, All right. What do you got for us? First one up, we got two new Game of Thrones spinoffs have been announced oh since you and I spoke last. The first one, Tales of Dunk and Egg. It is based on three novellas, which are Wait, Italian novels. I think you're wrong here. I think you're wrong here. 
This right. is a a new offering from Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, I think I thought you were actually saying I'm wrong, and I was like, "How fucking dare you?" But no, it's a bit. It's a bit okay. Yeah, it's just a bit. <laughs> it's just a sounds, bit. Yes. It sounds like right. Tales sounds of like a Dun- new sandwich from Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Yeah, tail, they'll, they'll do a tie-in. I'm sure. Yeah, got yeah. to. Got to. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, so, who are these characters? For, for, for those of you in the Boston area who uh, can't. Wait. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yes, it, it's about Duncan Ben Affleck with his Dunkin' Donuts. Do we know who these characters are? Yes, Sir Duncan the Tall and young Aegon V. Targaryen. Now, Aegon Targaryen we saw as a very old man in Game of Thrones. This is about him when he was a young boy uh, and Sir Duncan the Tall. They are Dunk and Egg of the oh, title. Is, is Aegon the Mad King? No, Aegon is the old, like the, the the very old blind man at the Night's Watch with Jon Snow. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah, he he had a he had a heart of gold. That guy. Um, what what about? It's about, about him as a boy. It's set ninety years before the action of Game of Thrones. Okay, we have Aegon. What about Egon? Spengler. Yeah, from Ghostbusters. Yeah, right. Yes. Now, Tales of Vank and Egg is the Ghostbusters prequel. <laughs> That that'd be a be, sweet crossover. Yeah, it'll uh, be like the Ghostbusters as children. Not Winston, though, because they didn't meet him until later. Busting the Night's Watch. Okay, so Duncan Egg. And All right, so that, that's Duncan Egg. That's set sort of 90 years before Game of Thrones. Then the next one, we don't know very much about it all. It was just announced today. Uh, animated drama series. And all we know about it is it's going to expand somehow the fictional world of Game of Thrones and of, of our understanding of Westeros or what have you, and that George R. R. Martin himself will be participating. So, yeah, Lon, when I heard this stuff, I was like, doesn't he have other stuff to write right now? Doesn't he need to finish his version of the the Tale of Ice and I mean, Fire look, and all that? he's got two epic fantasy novels to write. Just two. like Yeah, just two thousand-page tomes. Yeah, like, come on. C.S. Lewis would knock that out in a weekend. I mean, I wonder how hesitant he is because the way season eight was met. Uh, Honestly, you would think that would be a huge boost if you were the other person telling the story. It's like, maybe, maybe he's like, oh, I got a lot of goodwill right now. Yeah, but how could you do worse? No matter what he comes out with, people are people can't wait. They're They're like... It's all building up right now. They can't wait to buy that book and be like, see, this was what we wanted. Like, oh, the the pressure is uh, is so much less now because, like, imagine if they had killed it and everybody loved it and you had to follow that. That would be intense. Now it's just like, I mean, but look at those assholes. I mean, man. Right? I, like this. Pretty good, right? Finish the book so we can have that compare and contrast day. That's going to be huge. Yeah, I just, right. I, 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 I feel like, you know, obviously a lot of eyes are on it, but that they were going to be on him anyway. But I feel like, you know, yeah, it can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. It can't go, it can't get worse. <laughs> like, I honestly don't know what he could do unless it's just like the, the Confederates never lost the Civil War. And that also happens in it. You remember oh. that? Because that was those guys' other show? Yeah, uh, that that was uh, they were going to show run that, and then they dispensed with it. Yep, Weiss and uh, what yeah. are their names? Benioff and Weiss. Yeah, Benioff and Weiss. Yep, cool. So more Game of Thrones on the way. That will scratch that itch. Dramatic, uh, dramatic do animated people, series. Do you think people want more or care at this point? Like that's my that's real. I, and I'm not being snarky. Like honestly, I. I didn't, I didn't hate, like, obviously it's got problems. I didn't hate the last season as much as a lot of other people did. I was sort of lukewarm on it. But um, I, it does feel like at this point it's engendered so much bad will and it made people so upset with the franchise as a whole that I'm honestly not sure people want more Game of Thrones shows. Like, it, yeah, all then this it felt like, like they were phoning it in with the Starbucks cup and everything. And I, just, uh, I mean, like I don't know if added. I agree with that, but like, like, but three, we're, we're not talking about three. There's House of the Dragon, the one that's about the Targaryen Civil War, which is 300 years before Game of Thrones. And now two more. It, it does kind of feel like, I don't know, maybe try one more, guys, and see if people are still into this. You know what? I, I feel like, you know, maybe not as much as people wanted, like Star Wars or the MCU, but more than people want Avatar movies. 
Game of Thrones fits right in between, I would say. Yeah, I don't, I mean, that's a whole separate conversation, but I don't know. I think, I think Avatar kind of like, those are designed to be like big screen events. I feel like it's going to work. I think people are going to go back for Avatar 2. I think they're going to, they're going to do it. Maybe if, if people ever go back to the movie theater again. Yeah, I don't think those movies are designed for us to like own it at home and watch it a hundred times over and over again. So like, yeah, we don't remember it as well as the movies that we watch all the time. But I still think people are going to want to go see what James Cameron's got in store for them. Like, I don't know. I think I think I think a lot of people are going to eat their words on that one. I guess because like when you when you count out James Cameron, yeah, like the guys you um you you you, uh, you play the part of the fool because James Cameron always wins. Yeah, literally like has not really failed in a long long like since Terminator 2, they've all been hits. Oh, yeah, uh, either all been hits or especially his r- really uh, like bold endeavors, his ambitious endeavors, Titanic, Avatar. Oh, the movies. All right. I thought you I thought you meant like his his scientific like and and look what he's done for the world of deep sea submarining. Yes, and his forays to the bottom of the sea. <laughs> to, the, to the bottom of the sea. Yeah, a, a, a real renaissance man. But just those two things, though: filmmaking and very deep sea exploration. I, but in w- those ways, a renaissance man. I I wouldn't shed an emotional tear if we found out. Oh, all of the Avatar movies have been scrapped. See, I know that you say that, and I agree. Like, right now, if you were like, Lon, which would you rather see? Almost anything exciting or Avatar 2? I'd be like, almost anything else. Like, I don't even really remember Avatar that well. I literally haven't watched it since theaters. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I remember I remember Jake Sully and Home Tree. Right. But, like, but <laughs> when yeah. the marketing comes out and I start to see what Avatar 2 looks like and the hype train gets in motion and it's playing at a 3D theater near me, am I going to end up going to see Avatar 2? Almost fucking definitely. Almost definitely. And I bet you will, too. And Yeah, if I'm vaccinated, sure. And James Cameron will be lighting a cigar with a $1,000 bill and cackling at all of us who spent years and years making fun of his master plan. I think. That's my prediction, folks. Maybe. You know, I mean, I will be down on the floor with my Navi action figures, uh, just, you know, going to town, living out those adventures. Navi or Navi? Navi, Navi, Navi. I all I know is I'm going to put those ponytails together and make them fuck. It's like, a, I think it's more like a spiritual connection. Don't no. They actually, they, is that their gonads? That's just their. They, they put their ponytails together. Well, they and, do. I know they do that. But that's also how they hook up with their, like, the animal they're riding. Spiritual connection, Lon? Yeah. Because, like, they also, do they not have genitals? Now I don't know. Now I'm, oh. now I'm curious. I don't know. Are those their only sex organs, or is it like a, there's a multiple? This is a whole yeah. podcast. Honestly, do, this yeah, we'll stop have... right here. This is a spin on call, call, call Starburns. See what they think. Just how do Navi fuck the sex lives of the Navi? Yeah, and it's like a nine part series. Oh, you know what? We need to. You and I need to watch the Avatar porn parody. No, we don't. You know what? I really don't think that we do. That's, uh, what do, that's, what do that's you say? one of those. There's this whole genre of porn now where it's like this intense cosplay porn where it's just like we're gonna like we're Pokemon. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make a guy look like SpongeBob and he's gonna and and, and he's it gonna is fuck we're now the squirrel right. We're at the point. It's the sex version of the Uncanny Valley. You know, like the Uncanny Valley where it's like Polar Express. Like they kind of look human, but not human enough. And I don't read it as human, and now it's creepy. This is like. I'm kind of horny, but not horny enough. Shut it down. Like, it's like the, like, you can't, you're like approaching, but then I can't find Pikachu attractive so that it's, it's not quite getting there. I mean, I don't, you know what? I think there's probably a a subset of folks out there who. It's it's the unhorny valley. The unhorny valley. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Put that on Uh, the t-shirt. They call Penn State the Happy Valley. This is there's it, it another is. dirty. The Happy Valley also means something dirty, but we'll move on. But the unhorny valley. Lon, yeah. get so, more news. Let's move on. Oh, Let's, besides the sex life of Navi, what else? That was still the Game of Thrones story. I don't even know how we did that. Up next, 
Warner Media, also for HBO Max, they want to develop a live-action series set in the wizarding world of young Harry Potter. Well, now he's old Harry Potter, but of Harry so, Potter. I mean, so we, we have to uh, uncancel J.K. Rowling, I suppose. Well, I mean, look, there's no way to do... She's got. She's part of this deal. They're locked into this deal with her. There's no way to do Harry Potter and not benefit J.K. Rowling, even if she is not directly involved in the project. So, yes, that's... That's the sticky wicket right there, is that anything they do in the world of Harry Potter, J.K. is there. Joanne gets gets to wet her beak a little bit. Having said that, I think the way to handle it, maybe not to give up on Harry Potter entirely, but just to fill it with trans characters. She can't stop that, right? Let her come out publicly and stop that. So my pitch would be, it's the founding of Hogwarts. We're going back like a thousand years. It's Godric, Gryffindor, Rowena, Ravenclaw, and we're following them while they're building Hogwarts. So it's like Game of Thrones medieval, but in the Harry Potter world, but they're all trans. That's, there's my pitch. I mean, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting take. Some might say that's going slightly overboard. I think it's just right, personally. So, I mean, some would say that might, uh, that might be some excellent representation how about three of the four of them are trans on the show, but then later we do an interview where we're like, actually, Helga Hufflepuff also was trans. We just didn't mention it. Or we could just, you know, find, create new IPs. No. no. Not interesting. <laughs> I don't think this is a good idea. I don't, I don't know where you're going with this, but I don't like it. Oh, just uh, not do Harry Potter stuff anymore. And I don't, have, but wait, but how do you have, get the Harry Potter characters in it if it's not? If you're not doing Harry Potter. No, I just say don't do Harry Potter anymore. No Harry Potter characters. That's it. We've done Harry Potter. We had a spinoff. But how do you keep the Harry Potter franchise going if you don't make new Harry Potter stuff? Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it anymore. All right. All right well, maybe we should, we should take this offline because I don't I, – I'm, I'm, I'm really confused about what you're saying. I know. So is Hollywood. I just feel like there's a lot of Harry Potter content that needs to get made, and you're just not coming up with a solution for that at all. You're I'm saying, saying don't make it, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, but then, but then, how do we see it? Don't watch something else. Watch Time Bandits. All right. If you, I, I feel like maybe somebody listening. If you think you figure out what what the the disagreement is here, where where the confusion is, right into Binge Boys. Let us know because I'm just honestly, this whole thing is just go. I, I I don't. I'm not following. Oh yeah, I'm just saying yeah. Let's let's put a pin in that. Let's put like put a button on Harry Potter. What a ride! What a journey! Right. Oh, oh, so a ride? Yeah, I agree. A ride would be great. Like they, there is already a ride, but a new <laughs> ride, I could see. And you got to have a story for the ride, and so that's what the show is about. That makes sense. The story of oh, the ride. You know. Okay. So all right. Now I like where you're going with this. I would like a show about the building of the Harry Potter verse. Okay, of, now, of the now I finally we're on the same page. Now I see okay. that's a great that idea. Could, yeah. That could be a show, and it's just Hagrid's magical motorbike adventure. I believe that's yeah, and no, and the construction guys who went into Universal City Walk every day to build this uh, Harry Potter world. Yeah, there you go. Okay, glad we could figure that out. One more news story. Let's move on. We got our first look at Godzilla versus Kong this week in a new big trailer. The film will hit. It'll open in theaters. It will also come to HBO Max. It's going to do that the same thing Wonder Woman 84 did. It'll be on HBO Max for 31 days free if you have HBO Max, and then it'll disappear. Uh, and that starts on March 31st. Now, director Adam Wingard, who made the film, he also did Your Next and The Guest. Uh, mm-hmm. He promises. Love the guest. He promises. This is not like all those other versus movies where there's no definitive winner at the end. You know, yeah, like Freddy, Freddy versus-, versus Jason. It's like we thought Jason won and then Freddy winks, winks at us at right. the end. He's so, like not yeah. doing that. There will be a winner. You will know when you leave the theater who who was the victor here. Was it Godzilla or was it in fact Kong? Wow. Which of these classic? I Oh, my. So. Lon, everything you're, you know, I, I just want to touch on one thing. Everything we talked about, about the new thing coming down the pike is not a new thing. Oh, right. Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, Godzilla versus Kong. Just, yeah, I just reinforcing okay, but let me that there stop are... you right there. When you say new thing, 
Unpack this for me. What are you talking about? Uh, Oh, something that is making its debut to the world, an IP or a creative, a story. So it's a comic book that's never been adapted before. Lon, let me blow your mind. Something that hasn't even been a comic book or a graphic novel yet. Was it, was it a, was it a a novella? No. (laughs) An Italian novel? Nope, not even a one-panel far side comic. That something that has never been un a brand new character well, or story. Yeah, I mean, listen. The thing or is, world. You got these streaming platforms, and they want you to sign up for them. And I think that what they're all finding is it's a lot easier to just be like, "Hey, you know that Winter Soldier." Uh, we, we, go, we got that guy. That, that'll that get people excited. If you got to do it on your own, you can. But like Netflix showed us, you got to throw about 100,000 things at the wall to find the one Stranger Things that like sticks. Like how many? Netflix has been doing this for how long now? And like honestly, how many original, brand new, original, never before seen anywhere else things? Let have- me make an argument against myself. I haven't talked to anyone who has seen... The Jason Momoa show, C. Yeah, but like, right. And, and it's like, I mean, honestly, because even like Bridgerton was a huge hit for Netflix, but those those are, that's a series of novels. And The Queen's Gambit was a huge hit for Netflix, but oh, that, that, was a, that was a book as well. And like, there's very few examples of like Stranger Things where it's like purely, this is an absolutely original TV show. Because even stuff like Umbrella Academy that's been hits for them, well, that's all taken from others. Yeah, so... So, you know, the, the trailer for Godzilla vs. Kong looked pretty rad. I, I just hope it doesn't suffer from the, I, I feel like Godzilla King of the Monsters, it was just so many fights that we were kind of like, okay, at a certain point we got. I just thought it, the it, fights it, weren't that good. There's a lot of, like, cool imagery. Like, there are a lot of cool shots in King of the Monsters, but there aren't really a lot of cool fights. It's like it's sort of hard to see what's happening a lot. It's really like they do a really impressive job of setting up how huge these monsters are and how imposing they are and the scale of it. And then it kind of falls apart. I didn't think the fights were exciting. So if this one, the fights are exciting and it does look like with with the with Kong, like punching him in the face, like it does look like a little bit more like fun, visceral I don't know. I'm excited. I like Adam Winger movies. I think it looks fun. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if there's a winner. It's not like this is a burning question. Like, people keep, like, they're, they're you know, like, oh, there's going to be a winner. Like, finally, settle all of these bets you've been making, like, emotionally, in your heart. I know that you've been desperate to know for years who would win in a fight between the made-up lizard guy and the made-up gorilla guy. Uh-huh. And it's like, I don't, you can feel free to not resolve that legendary monster versus franchise like i just six of one half dozen of the other like yeah he's got like atomic breath but he's, he's a real big gorilla like, i don't know yeah just you know just entertain us for a couple hours and 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 make the fights feel climactic i, I just wanted i, I want to have fun along the way there and then i want it to feel climactic the first godzilla movie uh, that uh, came out a few years ago with brian cranston i thought i thought we did not get quite enough bang for our buck they, uh, yeah, I felt they over tried to overcompensate, but it was just uh, a little bit murky, as you were saying with the second one. You know, this is their this is their third chance. Let's let's get her done. Oh, fourth if you count Skull Island. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I just I don't know. It reminds me of the old conversations we used to have about movie fights, where I was like, it should just be fun. I want it to be silly, and everybody would be like, no, I need to know if Dan is the all time champion or just the current champion. <laughs> Who would he beat? Bring in Greg Alba back. I need to see these two go at each other. I'm like, I don't really care about the outcome. Just listen. Everybody just Let's have, have fun with it. a good time here. Yeah. Lon, do you know anything about the uh, the rumored series, uh, Monarch? Oh, the right. About the, the uh, about company. The, I, yeah. The, the thing about this, I, I have heard the, the rumors. Monster that, hunting company. Yes, about, right. The, that's the group that John Goodman was involved in in Skull Island. That That's also the one that they're working for in the Godzilla movies. Ken Watanabe worked for Monarch. Yeah, I, here's the thing about this whole franchise is they're yeah. very good at the hype part. People always seem really hyped for these movies. But when they actually come out, the first one did pretty good. 
Skull Island did okay. King of the Monsters was a big disappointment at the box office. Mm-hmm. This one, Godzilla vs. Kong, probably wouldn't have even been made if they hadn't started making it before King of the Monsters came out. And now this one isn't even going to really get a full chance to play in theaters. It's only going to be on HBO Max. I feel like this may be our our swan song for the legendary MonsterVerse. Like, we'll yep, see. Until the next Godzilla, until the next one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see how big of a, uh, you know, how big of a sort of boom this one has when it comes out. If it if it massively drives new eyeballs to HBO Max, or if it's like a huge critical hit and people love it, you know, maybe it'll revitalize interest. I don't want to say for sure not. Because I actually, like, I don't hate this franchise. Like, I kind of like these movies. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm skeptical that we're going to get a lot more money dumped into this IP right now. I feel like I feel like we might get a few years without big monsters. And, you know, they're also, who knows, though? Because Guillermo del Toro is now dropping, like, we should do a Pacific Rim crossover. And that's also legendary. So that's Mm -hmm. very doable. Interesting. Uh but I, I hear you just as far as the hesitancy to drop so much money into something that's only going to play on HBO Max. But if we get back to you know going to the theaters and everything, then we yeah, I mean, if, look, if they if they a little bit. if they decide after this that they're going to keep making MonsterVerse movies, and certainly there's a lot of room to go. Like they have the rights to all of these classic monsters. You know, we 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 got we got sort of. It looks like Give me a little Mecha, bit of that Mecha. Mecha it looks Godzilla. like Mecha Godzilla is going to be in Godzilla versus Kong, but there's plenty of room still to go with new monsters to to you know there's there's a whole field of kaiju we haven't used yet, so they could. And if they decide to keep that going, it would make sense to have an HBO Max show that's sort of like a companion to it to keep people's interest up between movies. I'm just I'm still kind of skeptical. You know, I think this movie will determine a lot. It will. Determine a lot, and we will crown a champion monster for the ages. Yes, Godzilla vs. Kong. I, got, I feel like it's going to be Kong just because it's American. And, like, uh, do they want, like, even though neither Kong nor Godzilla have, like, a nationality, like, one, they're both from, like, the ocean. But, like, I nonetheless feel like Americans Are feel you a little sure bit of, Kong isn't Canadian? He's from Skull Island, so he's, like, a Skull Islander. But... But maybe uh, he was born there? You don't know if he was a transplant? Kong? You think Kong was born in, like, Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> don't you remember that scene where he's like, maple syrup? He does love Tim Hortons. He does love Tim Hortons. So. And he always wants to uh, take take Fay Ray to a, uh, a Leafs game. <laughs> All right, we shall see. We shall see. I'm looking forward to the movie. The, I, I think the, tra- the, the did the trailer get you geeked a little bit? Yeah, did no, you see it was some cool, cool shit I, in there. I I will say it, it's very cool. I enjoyed it. The image of Kong and Godzilla both standing on an aircraft carrier made me go like, wait, how heavy are the like? Wouldn't it be like if you and I were to try to stand on like opposite and like, shouldn't it be teetering under their massive weight? Oh, like if can you and I like try to stand, we should just... try it. I'll, I'll see if I can dig up my old GI Joe aircraft carrier. Yeah, it feels and... like if you and I tried to stand at a seesaw, I would be like whoa, like I just I, that, those two hundred. Uh, it feels like it should either sink or at least wobble. Totally right. Am I right? Right, no, folks. Y- yeah, no. Th- I mean, th- it, it seemed like that should throw off plot the, uh... hole. Bad movie. Yeah. Also, what do you know about the Kong versus the Godzilla versus Kong porn parody, Lon? Oh, we do. Are we going to do this every every title? Be like, just I think, that, know, I think this might be a regular think, bit. I think. What do you I think, think about. I, I think. I think I might. Go, I think I might go to that well too often. All right, Lon. We both watched some programs. Yeah. So we did. We did watch. Yeah, programs. we watched a a, a sci-fi. And their porn world. parodies. We watched all of the porn parodies for all of these shows. <laughs> these are so new. There haven't been porn parodies uh, made yet. yet. Look forward to porn parodies of everything we're going to watch. If you work today. at Wood Rocket Studios, by all means. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you and I both checked out a newish Netflix offering, Outside the Wire, a sci-fi. War. No, what's that? This is fucking weird, man. This is a weird thing. 
I thought I thought I knew what this was going to be, and then it was like, oh, this is not what I thought this was going to be. Right? They snuck up on you with some of the details here, and they left them like just a little bit dangling, kind of like uh, you know, it makes me think of you know just uh, the series Your Honor that we talked about, like a lot of details introduced and a lot of them left dangling. Well, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's got the. There's a really crazy thing about this movie, which uh-huh. is that a major plot point that's introduced late in the game is that Anthony Mackie is playing a robot. Like, it's about these two guys, it's about these two soldiers, and they get this dangerous mission where there's going to be this, like, doomsday device that's going to get set off, and they have to go outside. The wire refers to they've got to go, like, into a combat zone. Like, they've got to leave the safe space of the military base and go outside of the protected area into enemy territory to find this doomsday device. Hot zone! From a green zone to a hot zone. There you go. And so that's what outside the wire means. And, and, but one of the, the guys finds out that the other guy that he's on the mission with, a robot. And, and usually if you were watching a thing and one of the two heroes is a robot, there, there would be a, a big revelation. Like there would be a lot of follow up to that where oh, you'd yeah. be like, well, this is how it's different to do this mission with a fucking robot by your side. But the, yeah, you like could, in Terminator Dark Fate, when we found out that one woman is like, you know, part uh, robot. She's not even a robot. She's just got cybernetic enhancements. Yeah, but they don't let you forget that. It's still, exactly. It's still a major thing that she's got these cybernetic, because remember, she gets drained all the time, and you got to constantly, like, recharge her batteries or yeah, whatever. like a Tesla. Seems really inefficient for somebody you're sending into war, but okay. But in this... Literally 45 minutes goes by and you could like forget that Anthony Mackie is a robot. It is just this like war film in in the in a like very near future where there's like robot drone soldiers that look like robots. And it's just these two guys running through it. And I would forget that. And then all of a sudden oh, they would he play. passes the Turin test with flying colors. He knows like all the like just he's very jocular. He, he like knows all like colloquialisms. He's and- like goofier <laughs> and got a bigger personality than the guy he's with who's a human. Yes. Maybe. I mean, maybe. You know what? Maybe we just found the heart and soul of this film that the robot was more human than the dude. And of course, like it is doing that, which is so fucking obnoxious. But it is doing like of all of all the it's it's the it's the fucking Shatner speech from from the uh, Wrath of Khan, like of all the beings I've served with, this was the most human. You know, it's like that. Thing. That's a like, that was a very good, maybe slightly nasal, but very good Shatner. Shouldn't this movie have been called The Robot and the Dude? No, because they, they obviously wanted to de-emphasize the fact that he even was a robot. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, by the way, Anthony Mackie, robot. But like, it's, there's nothing. There is nothing. I had a real love-hate relationship with this movie. And ultimately it was maybe a little bit more of a hate relationship because the, what the robot, what Anthony Mackie's character wanted to do was so murky. There's a scene in this movie where Anthony Mack, or where, uh, sorry, the other soldier that Anthony Mackie was working with, our other lead, was explaining what was going on between this big bad who was called Koval, the rebels, and Anthony Mackie, and what the plan was, and the circular logic and back and forth to trying to explain what they were trying to do with these nuclear warheads or whatever. I was like, what? Like, I had to, like, I was like, huh? And it was such an exposition dump. They just do, there's like three too many twists. Like, you, you, you just... Like, I, yeah, it's unpredictable, but it also, like, makes no sense. Like, you could have done three fewer twists and, then, like, get us there and be like, great, okay, the robot. Robot saves the day, robot blows up, whatever. I don't know. Just get yeah, us out it was a, And it was a little too va- – yeah, how about just, like, you know, robot, uh, robot has a mission, robot goes rogue, stop robot. But we had these rebels, we had these alternate factions, and a very vague, a very vague war going on in Eastern Europe. I don't even know. I I was kind of hoping for like eighty percent sci-fi, twenty percent war, and it was like the exact opposite. It was like it was like eighty percent war, and then like by the way, robot. All right, back to war. And I was like, I don't. It's a made-up war anyway. I, I don't really care about this war. And it was. It was quite murky because they 
they basically lumped all of Eastern Europe together, like the U- the Ukraine, Czechoslovakia, Bulgaria. It's like there were, they said it was a civil war in Eastern Europe. Well, right. At first they kept saying civil war in Eastern Europe. So naturally your mind goes to like Bosnia, Serbia. Like that's where I assumed it was. But then, yeah, about halfway through, Anthony Mackie starts talking about Ukraine. He says the Ukraine, by the way, which you're not supposed to say. It oh, just, yeah. It is just Ukraine. But he insists on saying the Ukraine. And I was like, maybe they're going to play that off like it's in the future. and like, blah, 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 like something's happened. But yeah, no, I le- they don't. It's just a weird thing. I learned thing. that shit uh, during the impeachment, Lon. I learned that shit during the first during the first impeachment. Don't add. Stop adding that the, Anthony Mackie. Anyway, you know, a trifle. One of these like random Netflix things. Yeah, the, the one. The, so we're shitting on it a little bit, and uh, there's yeah, they, they play fast and loose with a bunch of stuff. But I will say that there there were a couple of cool battle scenes and fight scenes. Like there there was one where it was like some serious robot versus robot action, and uh, where they where they came out of that bank that the uh, the guy was supposed to be uh, holed up in, and then you had the bad guy robots versus the good guy robots. That shit was kind of cool. I wish it was a little more of that, actually. Like, I wouldn't mind futuristic war right. movie. Right, Ro- robot, yeah. It was, it was just like a robots lot of- on. I mean, and that brings, uh, I mean, there's a lot uh, you can have fun with with robots on the battlefield. But we only got a couple of scenes of that. And Anthony Mackie, his character, since he was a robot, he was like an ultimate weapon. Like, his... Like, he, he was moving like Black Widow, you know, he, just like as far as the karate and like the ninjate of this robot guy. And we only got a couple of quick glimpses of that. So um, they kind of buried the lead here and the details were kind of murky. So, yeah, outside the wire. Uh, pardon me, I'm going to stay inside the wire. Okay, you know, no. <laughs> Outside the Wire on Netflix. Listen, if you if you got some time to kill, you know what? Put it on while you put it on while you, like you do your uh, while you do some office work or something in the back. Have it on in the background. Ringing endorsement. Thank you. Yes. Perfect to, uh, to do office work too. Huh. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, teachers, while you're grading papers, put on Outside the Wire. <laughs> You'll be fine. All right. Coming up, we are going to talk about Hulu's in and of itself. Lon, we both watched the filmed version of a stage play in and of itself, which... Is it a play? Would you think, would you call this a play? You know what? A a, a theatrical event. Yeah, I think, well, because this is, I don't, here's the thing. Not a play, not quite a it play. Is, it a is one sort of man a, show, right? It, this is a it's a thing stage show that this guy Derek Del Gaudio does. I saw him live at the Geffen Theater years ago. Not doing this, doing the previous show that he did, which was similar in some ways. But it's it. I, I don't I don't want us to talk too much about what the show really is because like part of the fun is right twists and turns, and you don't you don't quite know what's coming. It is largely magic like he's doing magic tricks and illusions yeah if i may i'd say it's part memoir part magic show and a journey into uh kind of uh talking to try to talk about you know this human experience and that's a i know that's like that's a big bag of shit to unwrap well, there like the like human identity. experience i think it's, but, it's fair to say like how we see ourselves and how the world sees us and like the difference between what we know of who we are and how we're, we're thought of or depicted or seen by others. But yeah, I don't want to get into too much of it, like, here's what the, the, the illusions are or whatever. Right, but yeah, I, I will say that w- one of the main things that it tackles is this idea of how we see ourselves, yeah, how, how we label ourselves. And, you know, Lon, you, you know, you're, you're a podcaster, you're a writer, you're, you're a son, you're a friend. You're a dog owner. How how do you label yourself? And that's how do we see ourselves? And that that's you know that can be at once simple and complex and and vexing. And it's an interesting exploration to how humanity sees itself. And I, you know, I'll just say I'll get it out of the way. I highly recommend checking this out. And I found 
that as I was watching this, Lon, you're going to hate this next part, with my wife, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but we both found ourselves really immersed, unexpectedly so, that by the time, especially towards the end, and absolutely worth jumping into this world. And, you know, better left, you know, not learning too much about it and just diving into this experience. And I would call it, an ex- it is a theatrical experience. And that experience does translate to emotional moments for the viewer who's watching it at home on TV. It translates well. Yeah, it's one of, it's one of the best, like, I, very rarely when you're watching something that was filmed on stage, does it actually give you that feeling of being in a theater and watching something? Like, I never saw Hamilton on stage, and I really enjoyed getting to see it on Disney+. Plus. So this is not a knock on that. I was really thankful they did that. But Yeah, the, I the never show, felt- I know you and I talked about this uh, offline. The show Nate, a one-man show on Netflix, does does a nice job of bringing that you into the theater experience. But this especially— Yeah, but I never, when I was watching Hamilton, felt like I was there on Broadway watching it. You very much feel like you're watching a filmed version of it. But in and of itself, really— it sets the mood of feeling like you're in the theater and the cues and the lighting and the way that, and, and it's very interactive with the audience too. And it does, it gives you that feeling of sitting in a theater and being part of this thing. Yeah. I, I loved it. I thought it was great there. It's also really fun because they filmed it over the course of many performances of this show in New York. And after a while, the show became very talked about and a lot of celebrities and notable people went to go see it. And so you could see over the course of when they were filming it, a lot of people in the audience are like, "Oh wait, is that like you could you could spot a lot of famous faces. W Kamau Bell, uh, yeah, like a lot of famous faces by the Tim end. Tim Gunn pop up just because they went to go see this hot show in New York when it was uh, on stage there. Highly recommended. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get yeah, too, and and it's got a, a pedigree. Uh, they, you know, they brought Frank Oz. You know, you you might know the from the Muppets. Version. Oh, wow. He actually, uh, so, like, he was one of the guys who, like, shepherded this thing along. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah Frank Oz, uh, who uh, also is most famously known as the voice of Miss Piggy. And Gonzo and Yoda and, and a lot of them, but also directed a lot of classic movies, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, love Little Shop of Horrors. And music by Mark Mothersbaugh, the uh, much-decorated film composer, and from Devo, the uh And wrote wave. the Rugrats theme. I mean, quite a resume for Mark Mothers. <laughs> so, yeah, the show's the show's got a real, uh, a real a real pedigree to it, and yeah, the the staging it is beautiful. Like the backdrop he has behind him, I forget the artist's name, damn it, but it's uh, he's like a well known like Los Angeles based artist who uh, designed the the backdrop, the set, and the set is kind of striking and thoughtful. So. Yeah, this it's it's an experience worth it. It's funny, it's poignant, and uh, you and you might get a little bit emotional. So, uh, Lon, I was I was thinking. Uh, oh, b- but one thing I will say about it, just like I was immersed, I enjoyed it. But then part of me was like, you, you mentioned Lon that he's a magician. How I wanted to know the tricks. I wanted to know the strategy to how he how he did the thing. So that's kind of it's a little bit vexing, but also fun to think about. Okay, how the hell did he do that? It is. I mean, there are there are sleight of hand moments where you're like, how, but it, I, I feel like less that way about this one than a lot of other. Like I David, but the Blaine, whole thing he did at the end, Lon was a. Uh, it's great. Was, no, the, the illusions themselves are incredible. I'm not trying to knock it. I just mean that it's so emotional and it's so satisfying in that way. Whereas like when you see like David Blaine. I'm like fixated on like, no, hang on. Oh, Wait mm-hmm. a minute. I saw no, David this, Blaine live yeah. one time. I was at CES and he came in to do an interview segment with Shira Lazar. You know, Shira. Yeah. Uh, and afterwards he just came out because there were, you know, it was like the Samsung booth at CES. So there were just people around. And so he just got a circle of people around him and did just started doing tricks. And it is ridiculous. Like I, I haven't seen it now with no cameras Watching him three feet in front of me doing it, it's mind-blowing. I have no idea how he's doing this stuff. It's crazy. Unless he's got plants in the audience. That's the only way I can see it. A master of the dark arts. Yeah, he's evil. But here, the beautiful thing about the quote-unquote magic is that it's so woven together into the theme of the show that it's like you're not like, oh, I just watched a magic trick. You're you're just you're just on this journey, and yeah. but then later you might be. 
How did he do that? Hang on. Yeah, trick? there's a few things that are just crazy. Where it's like, um, I, I don't get so at the top of the show, as as Lon, you were mentioning, people come in and they they choose like a label for themselves, like a one word label. Right. Like, There's a whole board, and it's got yeah, I am at the top, and then a bunch of different titles, like I am a teacher, a mentor, a father, a journeyer, or whatever, adventurer. Yeah, I am a flirt. I am a good time guy. I am nobody. I. So, uh, Lon, I came up with, I, I was thinking uh, of a couple of maybe unacceptable or two specific labels. Okay, that let's, people let's, might let's hear some. Oh, sure. Murderer. I am a murderer. That would be... I, that, I feel like I, even I, if you were one, you probably wouldn't pick that one. It would probably, probably, that one's going to get that. left on the board. And then, but if you did pick it, shouldn't we call the authorities? Did someone just confess to a crime? No, that's, I believe that just like there's doctor patient privilege and like you can't like a priest if you confess to a priest they can't go to the cop i believe magic shows have that same rule oh so like the theater is like international waters or something. yeah i believe magic magic confidentiality where the police would be like listen was mr delgadio was there a murderer at your show and it's like listen i can't not at liberty officer i can't say but was this your card <laughs> that uh, here's another one uh porno star why is that? What don't don't? What do you? What what's wrong with you? Why what's wrong you know with what, being a maybe, porn star? You know what? I, I had that written down. I didn't realize we talked so much about porn parodies now. You but know, I, what? I just I'm I'm just saying conceptually. Like, sure, why can't a person be? Maybe maybe they're a porno star. You don't know. Gotcha. What listen, about? Listen. What if okay. Tara Patrick wanted to go see some magic? And look, there it is. I'm a porno star. I'm going to take that card. You know what? I, I uh, withdraw porno star. I withdraw porno star. Okay, here's a very specific one. I'd be I'd be surprised if one of the cards said hand model. <laughs> I mean, look, I it's honest work. Why what's wrong with being a hand model? I mean, nothing wrong. Maybe with Maybe you've a got hand luxurious model. hands. And- would, oh, I should have. I have. I have. I have weird, veiny, hairy hands. Yeah, I would well, love right. to. Yeah. I would love to be a hand model. I think you've got hand model envy is is your problem. I do. I'm I'm really furious about how my hands photograph. Another one that's too specific. It w- I would find it absurd if one of the cards said retired mascot for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, there's not that many of them around. What is do the Philadelphia Eagles have a mascot? Is there just Yeah, a it's, a, it's a yeah, it's, it's, an, an eagle? it's an eagle. It's a big it's a big plush eagle. Wow. Really? bottom of the barrel of your Philadelphia mascots. How are you going to compete? You not only have the Fanatic, maybe the greatest of all sports mascots of all time, but also Gritty. Yes. A town that has the Philly Fanatic and Gritty. What do they need? Your stupid ass. I know. I mean, uh, here, what's the Eagles mascot's name? Oh, here we go. Philadelphia Eagles mascot. Swoop. <laughs> oh, my God. This is making me sad. Wait, oh hang on. My God. The 76ers don't have a mascot either, do they? I think the seven. Uh, you know what? I got to look that up now. So Swoop, just a, a boring eagle named Swoop, which is just something that an eagle does. Philadelphia 76ers. Franklin the dog. Franklin. So Ben Franklin, obviously. Philadelphia, the first capital of the United States. I, uh, yeah, totally random. I it mean, should just Phoenix, be Ben Franklin. I love that. I love that, that. Just a guy dressed like Ben Franklin. And then since he's a mascot, you give him a fun name like Benny. Yeah. Or something. It, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. He's got a kite. He's got yeah. he's okay. got a he's got a stove oven or whatever that he invented. Yes. Let, let's get uh Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers on the phone. On the horn. Uh, I've got one. I'm very glad. I looked at the whole board. I did not see this on there. I was very glad they did not have, I am a proud boy. I think that's just offensive. <laughs> we don't need that. Let that guy keep that to himself. Yeah. You know what? Keep it to yourself while you're planning the next uh, Another Another weird one that I did see on there that I thought was weird. I am Dunk and Egg. That's not even out yet. Who's Wow. Who's I self-identifying? Mean, who self-identifies as those the two titular characters from that show. He thought maybe Sir Duncan the Tall was going to come see in and of itself at the Geffen. You know what should have been on there if it wasn't? I am a porno star. <laughs> see, I'm trying to make yeah, up for it. There you go. I, I don't want to, 
Yeah. I also uh, one last one that I thought was yeah. weird that I saw up there. Only one person, but maybe they love magic. I am that guy Tom Cruise was yelling at on that tape. Oh yeah, for uh, for, for not social distancing while they were watching. The, the, here here's one. Uh, Adam, get ready to probably edit this one out. Um, <laughs> I like, am a porn star. Listen, I don't want to kink shame anyone, <laughs> but like if your thing is to uh, <laughs> lick the rim of dirty toilets. Whose thing is that? Is that a thing? That's not a thing. It would be weird if one of the cards said, I am a weirdo who likes to lick the rim of toilets. It's a very, that, then you're like, you're spending the whole time watching Del Gaudio. Like, is this, feels like that, that card was expressing something oh, do personal. You re- do you remember that girl who posted a picture of herself on a private plane when Corona came out, like licking the rim of a toilet? I do remember that, but that wasn't a kink. She was just proving like how little a give a shit she had about the, the Rona. If she's she like, I'm not afraid of your virus. She, that woman almost definitely dead by now, right? Like, almost, if the Rona didn't get her, the rim of the toilet did. Please write us at our non-existent post office box and let us know if she's still alive. I definitely want us to get a post office box and ask for people to send us weird things now. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, there's a letter writing portion in in and of itself. Daryl Delgadio's, Derek Delgadio's <laughs> in and of itself on Hulu. Coming up, we're going to talk about Lupin. Lon. Lupin. Are we saying Lupin? We're in America. Lupin. Ugh. The ugly American rears his head yet again. Arsene Lupin. Lupin from Netflix. Uh, Loop me in, Lon. What'd you think about Lupin? I, I enjoyed the show. I, I like the show very much. Although I will say, I think I think if you enjoy, you know, like uh, the the money heist kind of show, if you enjoy like an Ocean's Eleven, if you like that heist, yeah, a little bit of old school Mission Impossible, yeah, like you know, uh, I think think Tom Cruise rappelling in, yeah, very slick, yeah. But I will say. It kind of reminded me of Sherlock. Do you know that, like the Benedict Cumberbatch? Oh, sure. Sherlock show, where it's like the premise of the show is the main character is like way smarter than you, the dickhead viewing the show. So every episode is basically like the first half is you watching the character do stuff, and you're like, I'm following this. I know what that character did. And then the entire second half of every episode is just the show going back like, hey, remember all that stuff that the character did? That wasn't really what they were doing. You idiot. You complete. You know how you saw them go to the deli and you were like, they're going to the deli. They weren't really there to go to the deli. You fuck stick. You dumb piece of shit. And it's just like there's this smugness to the storytelling where it's like, well, yeah, I didn't know that because you didn't tell me yet. I'm- but that's what the French do. They make Americans feel like stupid idiot. Yeah, and like the whole and, and, and it does it kind of feels like it's like, look, the whole all the power is with you, the TV show. I am just along for the ride. Like, yeah, of course you can keep things from me and then I don't know them. Like, I, I don't know. I almost felt attacked at sometimes by this show. Like, oh, you thought he was really in prison? You fucking idiot. <laughs> He's Lupin, man. You can't jail him. Lon, let me let me play the therapist for a moment. How often do you feel attacked by a TV show? All personally? the time. Oh, Lon. Like, when in and of itself was like... Uh, why is there a car that's like, I'm a heavy set bearded Jewish guy who whines about streaming TV shows on my podcast? Is that about me? I mean, that's a little personal. That's very personal, Derek. I don't know what I did to you. I'm a supporter. Anyway, look, I enjoyed the show. I like I, I don't I don't feel like it's so smug that I can't enjoy it. I just I don't know the character. He's he's like he's perfect. And and it does sort of feel like. I would be more on his side if he wasn't totally perfect. But yeah, he, I mean, he is perfect in kind of like, you know, a French James Bond kind of way. He's uh, like, he, he's good. He's good at everything. It's got a little bit of oh, uh, crud. What's the, uh, with um, Michael Caine and Jesse Eisenberg, uh, the, uh, the, the magician. Right. Now you see me. Now you see me. It's got a little bit of that right. going on. Well, that's what it. I mean, because it's, it's like the everything that happens, he was like one step ahead no matter what. Like, 
he knows everything everybody's going to do before they do it. And so it does on one level. You're like, well, obviously he's going to get out of this because like if it starts to rain, he's got like an umbrella up his butt. They're like, ha you know, like you can't, you can't, uh, you can't top Lupin. And I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but it, it does. I don't know if it totally works on that level. The other, here's a question I had for you, Hal. Yes. I feel like a lot of cultures from around the world have this kind of an archetypal character. They're like, Suave, the the gentleman thief. Like, uh, there's a great Italian movie called Danger Diabolic that's like the Italian version of this. And then obviously you got Lupin, the famed gentleman thief. And I feel like in America, maybe Danny Ocean, that's probably as close as we have to like our version. But he's only from a 60s movie. Like, that was just Frank Sinatra old. There really isn't. I don't know why, as Americans, we don't have this guy. Who's our version of this guy? Yeah, our thieves are a little more, like, gritty or action-oriented. Not gritty, the mascot we were talking about, but, like... Are you saying, are you accusing Gritty of committing grand larceny? How dare you? The only thing he stole is my heart. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, gritty, kicking ass and fighting fascism. Yeah. But I I had the thought, like, you know, it could almost be, but he's he's a little bit too much, a little too, like, rugged and boorish, the... Uh, Nicholas Cage in National Treasure. Like oh, Benjamin pulling- Franklin Gates is I, who I assume you're talking about, of course. <laughs> yeah, but right, but that's a, but he that's a great example because he's not he's not an intentional thief. He only steals the Declaration of Independence to protect it from Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like he like he's a treasure hunter, but that's kind of what I mean. Like we've got this, we're so we've we're like. We've we've ingested the capitalist propaganda. Like we're so sold on the idea that it's wrong. Like any thief is like beyond the pale. Like we can have antiheroes who are murderers, but if you're a thief, we're like, hey man, stealing is wrong. All right? Yeah. Don't do that. That's not cool. Wouldn't I, you I rather mean, just shoot all of those people? Put that back. That jewelry's not yours. Like, I really feel like that's the, the, so deep in the American character. Like, we we've just, even had gentlemen serial killers. Yeah. We, ha- but, Hannibal right. Lecter. Yeah. He's like, oh, I only kill people who are rude. And we're like, I approve of this. Yes, I guy. eat human beings with a Chianti and Fava. But look how urbane he is. Look at those. Mads Mickelson's cheekbones. Look at those cheekbones. How are you going to hate the cheekbones like those? That's exactly what I mean. Like, we can get to the point where we're like, yes, you're the Punisher, but also heart of gold. But on some level, for us, a thief is like, give that back, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I, I guess the, the biggest crime in America is, is, is stealing a... Even, ste- even Carmen Sandiego, whose whole bit is being a thief on her Netflix show... Now she's mm-hmm. a secret agent. Not nah, she's only stealing from the criminals the things they already stole. She's stealing them back. Even Carmen San Diego is not allowed to be our Lupin. Because that was my first thought. When I was like, who's the American Lupin? I was like, it's obviously Carmen San Diego. But then she's not even allowed to be a thief anymore. Damn it. Well, I, I think I think you've uh, found a gaping hole in American culture. Yeah, Juan. we don't we don't have like the cool like always one step ahead of Joe Policeman. Like we don't have we we celebrate Joe Policeman. We're like Elliot Ness. He's our man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like we're we're all about that instead. Kind of kind of sucks about us a little bit. I think. Yeah, France has Lupin. America has Paul Blart. Right. Like, we don't have a single character that you could put on, emboss on the front of your novel in a top hat with a monocle. Like, Mr. Monopoly. That's Yeah, the, the, the Monopoly man. That's, and how, like, exactly. Thank you. My, my, my point is proven. Who would, yeah. The most yeah. capitalist figure. Mr. Peanut and the Monopoly guy. That's it. That's it. Man. So if you want, we're, basically what we're saying is if you want to class up your existence a little bit, uh, yeah, check out Lupin. It's a it's a fun, slick caper thriller. Um, Omar Sy, the, the main guy, is great. He's very charismatic. It's a lot of fun. It's very fast paced. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's a fun watch. And again, I, I we've talked about this before. Watch it with the subtitles. Don't because uh, yes, so much get, no, no so much dubbing. gets sucked out with the dubbing. Yeah. So much like so much of the like the b- bad dubbing ruins 
or Sully's a good show. And this is also because it's a very fast-paced, it's a caper show. There's not that much dialogue. A lot of the key scenes are are light on the dialogue anyway. It's very action-oriented. So it's it's a good show to watch with subtitles because it's not going to be super talky. Lon, we talked about some programs. I think it's time to uh, get the hell out of here. What do you think? I, yeah, I agree. Finally. Jeez. Um, Owl Nation. Oh, I didn't say it before, but so I'll say it now. Hoot Hoot. And well, we might get away with this one, but not, not yet. <laughs> what does it take to be an Owl Nation? Whatever you want. It doesn't mean anything, or it means everything. Thank you to Starburns. Thank you to our super producer, Adam Macias. Thank you to Jason Kay for those rockin' riffs at the top of the show. And Lon, pleasure talking to you. Please tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, find me on Twitter at L-O-N-S. That is the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. Also, if you want to read my thoughts about all of these shows and more, Five days a week. You can read that in the Inside Streaming newsletter. It's totally free. Just go to inside.com slash streaming if you want to sign up for that. Thanks, Lon. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm talking all the shit at Hal Rudnick. At Hal Rudnick. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you have a moment, why don't you go over to iTunes and uh, give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye, everybody. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.